Today we'll be looking at another miracle that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John, and that is the healing of a young man, uh, the nobleman's son. But before we go there, just want a quick reminder that there's all kinds of free resources available for, for pastors, teachers, leaders, and just people looking for a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're all available on my website, again, free at pastorvic.com. Pretty simple, pastorvic.com. Before we look at the second miracle Jesus performed in the Gospel of John, Let's look at how Jesus communicated the gospel to the people in his day. When Jesus started his ministry, he kept it very low-key. He revealed himself to his disciples, then to an ever-increasing, in ever-increasing ways to more and more people. What's important to note is that when Jesus personally impacted a person's life, they became followers and then disciples. You see, there was a, a one-to-one interaction between Jesus and the hearer. Another way to look at it is that, that they experienced Jesus. And that's something that's so important for us to understand, that, that as believers, we have experienced him, and therefore, we know the truth. There's something irresistible about Jesus to those who are seeking the way, the truth, and the life. Today, we have the Holy Spirit to anoint our words and our deeds to make that personal interaction with those who need to hear the gospel. Remember, we don't save. We are simply the messengers. It's the Jesus encounter that saves a person through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus preached the good news gospel in one of two ways, with words and with deeds. If those he met had doubts about the truthfulness of his words, which were words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and the word of truth, Jesus would back up his words with the scriptures. The people would hear the anointing of his words because of the scriptures and realize that Jesus was from God. However, when words were not convincing people that he was sent from God, Jesus also used miracles as a sign that he was sent from God. And if the signs did not convince the people, the signs would at least cause people to wonder and then contemplate the possibility that only God could do these marvelous things. John 14:1, Jesus says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or we that we are one or else believe me for the sake of the works in themselves, the signs, wonders, and miracles. You see, the same is true today. If we want to reach people with the gospel, we must use all the tools God has made available to us, his word and his power. Let's face it, if it were by preaching alone, everyone should be saved by now. So there must be something more than just words alone. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. You see, he's talking about us. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Jesus promises that when we preach the gospel of love and freedom, that we will have the same authority and power as he did. When Jesus ascended into heaven, The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, descended from heaven to live in the believer. 
In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a comforter, the advocate. We know, of course, is the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives or dwells in you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. That's Jesus speaking. You can trust his words. Now, the first miracle of Jesus we spoke about in the last episode. In the first miracle, and that was the turning of water into wine at the wedding, wedding feast, he revealed himself first to his mother, then he revealed himself to the disciples, and then the servants who filled the water pots with water also witnessed the water turning into wine. The question I want to ask you or ask, have you considered is that, what do you think they thought? And what did they do with what they saw and heard afterwards? It's powerful. The second miracle, which is our topic for today, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of John is the healing of the nobleman's son in John 4, 46. So I'm just going to read the scripture and then, then I'll discuss it. So beginning in verse 46, the scriptures say, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. First miracle. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him, implored Jesus to come down and heal his son. For his son was at the point of death. Listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my, my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. You can always count on the, on the fulfillment when Jesus gives a word. So the man believed the word. That's instruction for us. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Your son lives. And then the, the nobleman inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. Now listen to this. And he himself believed and his whole household. An important point we could easily miss is that everyone who knew about the dying son knew that the son's father went to Jesus. And through a long-distance word, the son was healed by Jesus. Now, how do you think that those who knew what happened, how were they impacted? I can assure you that many of them believe because of that healing miracle and that they told everyone about what they had seen and heard. Now, we can do the same as Jesus if we have faith to believe that healing is for today and that Jesus can use you as his instrument of healing. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. 
See, the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in his promises? If so, then the promise of healing is in your hands. Now, there are some reasons why many people struggle with miracles for today. First and foremost is that the enemy of our soul is the devil. And he is described as the father of lies. We see that in John 8, 43 and 44. And we know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in 1 John 3, 8. And to destroy the works of the devil through the spirit of truth. John 14, 17, 15, 26 and 16, 13. This means that we need to trust the word of God and not be influenced by our emotions, by our negative thinking, or the philosophies of the world or the culture that we live in. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, Satan, has blinded and do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. You see, it's the devil's job to steal, to kill, and destroy your faith in a loving God. Satan is the master of deception. And the idea of a veil is that it partially hides the truth. It hides the truth just enough to void the truth. And then the truth is replaced by a lie. You see, if you tell a lie often enough, if you tell a lie long enough, many begin to believe the lie. Now, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11:3, But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. Paul was speaking to believers who were being deceived away from the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is simple. If one believes that Jesus came to die in our place, then we are forgiven all of our sins, past, present, and future. We are born again, and that is we become a new creation. We get to start over again, start over with our lives. However, we are not trying to rehabilitate our old life, trying to improve it. We get a new life. A new life that is filled with love, joy, peace, and the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If only we would believe. Now I can think of three general areas where a veil is created to hide the truth of God. The first and most common area uh, where we can be deceived is relying on personal experience as a basis of our relationship with Jesus. See, feelings come, feelings go, but the Word of God stands forever. And when we trust our emotions, this often happens when we, when we don't get what we expect from the Lord. You may, you may have prayed uh, or believed for a certain outcome and it didn't happen. A sick one didn't get well. A personal relationship fell apart. A pending financial disaster came to pass. You see, very often when we don't get what we want from God, our mind can become a fertile ground for the devil to come in and point his ugly finger at God. And then the lies begin. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about your circumstances. God 
doesn't exist. All lies become believable because of our experience. Yet the scriptures clearly tell us that it is through the trials and tribulations of life that our faith has an opportunity to grow. You see, as painful as it might be, faith in God in the hard times moves God. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he, he who comes to us, to God, must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You see, God is not moved because you think you deserve His help or you did something in God's name to receive His favor. God is moved by faith, believing that whatever the Scriptures say will come to pass. The Lord is bound to fulfill His Word. Even when the Lord doesn't seem to act in a way that we want Him to. See, we have to ask yourself the question, do we seek Him for who He is, or do we seek Him for what He can do? That's an important question that spells the difference between spiritual faith and human want. The second area of deception is leaning on our own understanding or our human logic. It's very important to examine what you believe and why you believe it. Because most modern education creates skepticism for anything that is spiritual. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. If you really believe that you are a new creation, that's 2 Corinthians 5.17, then you must accept that your mind or your ways of thinking must also change. Romans 12.2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. You see, you must determine in your heart to follow Jesus with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all your heart. Because then you will see the goodness of the Lord poured out on your life. The third area of, of misinformation uh, is the incorrect teaching that the supernatural only applied to the twelve disciples. As some put it, miracles petered away when Peter passed away. Many leaders are teaching that miracles don't happen today. Yet the New Testament is filled with miracles, signs, and wonders. The church also has a long history of miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have experienced a miracle. Think about this. Your salvation is a miracle. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are, listen, complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. As I close, I want you to realize that Jesus healed a nobleman's son. Now, when he, we don't know what was wrong with the young man, but nevertheless, he was healed. Jesus purchased healing for us on the cross of Calvary. If you have doubts about healing for today, 
then I encourage you to, to search the scriptures. But I also encourage you that when you have an opportunity to pray for the sick, when the, when, when, when the, the Lord puts it upon your heart to, to pray for someone who, who is ill or dying or, or sick in any way, that you take that opportunity, that you would lay hands on that person and you would pray for a supernatural healing in that person's life. In the words of Jesus to his disciples, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That's Matthew 10, 7 and 8. You see, if you're a disciple of Christ, this command is for you too. Let me take a moment to pray for you. Heavenly Father, for those that are having any doubts about the miraculous nature of, of Jesus Christ, then, Lord, I just ask that you would just give them a, a, a new anointing, Lord, a new unction, just to, to touch them on the inside, Lord, that they would just you would just release in them a desire to see miracles being um, uh, miracles uh, happening in their lives and happening as a result of their lives, Lord, that they would touch this world for you. That not everyone is going to listen to our words, but they cannot deny a miracle. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you the next time. Amen.